Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. So we are in the book of Mark. We've been in the book of Mark for a while. I just heard uh, a pastor say that he had just finished the book of Luke and uh, he said it took him 10 years. <laughs> and that is true. It's true. Uh, that's a long time in the book of Luke. We've been in Mark for a while. And as I've shared, probably today is probably the tenth time I've shared this, we are on Wednesday of the Passion Week. Alright, the week, the Passion Week is that time before Good Friday, the cross, Sunday, Easter, that's the Passion Week. And so we are on Wednesday of the Passion Week. All of chapter 12 and all of chapter 13 are during this Wednesday day of the Passion Week. And so if you take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 13, we will look at our text today. I do want you to see in verse 3, after Jesus left the temple area, He is with His disciples, and specifically Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the two sets of brothers, And they were sitting on the Mount of Olives. This is what it says in Mark chapter 13 verse 2. And they say this, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? And so, that then is what the book of Mark chapter 13 has to deal with. The signs of the times, if you will, which brings us to our text this morning. And we have a very short passage today, but a very massive subject. We will just touch it briefly, I suppose. But uh, Mark chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 24 to 27, specifically what we are calling by the sermon title, The Second Coming of Jesus. And we'll talk about that uh, as we get going here. But our text today is Mark chapter 13, and we're going to start with verse 24. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, Men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. That is the reading of God's Word. So if you have a bulletin on the back side there, you can uh, take a look at some opportunity to take some notes if you so choose. They do say that if you... Take notes, you learn more, so I encourage you. On the back there it says this, Someday Jesus will return. The Bible 
is uh, filled with passages. Matthew 24 and 25, Luke 21, Zechariah 14, Revelation 19, Acts chapter 1. The Bible is full of references concerning the second coming. His second coming is different than the rapture. The rapture is something different. It's talked about in John chapter 14, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, as well as a number of other passages. The rapture is when we as Christians are caught up with him, Jesus, in the air. He will preserve us during the great tribulation and then we will return with him at the second coming to defeat Satan and begin the Lord's millennial kingdom. Now, I want to share with you that this is the premillennial dispensational view. Now, I've shared this each time that we've talked about this. There are a plethora of other views concerning this topic. We're just looking at one. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to gotquestions.com, gotquestions.com. But I just went there this week again. I go there all the time. And I noticed that they said they have 653,000 answers to 653,000 questions. All right? So you can go to gotquestions.com if you're struggling with a passage. And you can ask a question. And probably they will have an answer. And if you want to find out more about dispensationalism or premillennialism or post-trib or mid-trib or pre-trib or whatever, you can go there and ask the questions and you can find out information. So what I say here is, and of course, as we've mentioned, not the only view. In keeping with our premillennial dispensational view, we outline Mark chapter 13 this way. All right, so let's go to our outline. And this is where we've been for the last few weeks. Uh, we talked about the destruction of the Jewish temple, chapter 13, 1 and 2. The church age, which we are currently living in right now, what we are living in right now, 13, 3 through 12. The rapture of the church. And basically what that says, I mean, there's a lot of passages on rapture, but what this says is, and all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end of the church age, is basically what we're saying, will be saved. And so the rapture of the church. And then last week we talked about the seven-year tribulation, 13, 14 to 24. Today we are talking about the second coming of Jesus, 25 to 27. And then next week, actually the week after, we will be looking at no one knows the exact time. So keep watch. And that is kind of an outline. One of many on uh, the end times, and uh, that's kind of the one that we've been using to preach through. So we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus, and the first question we're going to ask is, when? When is this going to happen? And verse 24 tells us, but in those days following that distress, in those days following that distress, after the seven-year tribulation that we looked at last week, in those days after... That distress, and you can go to our next point there, Andrew. When oh, oh God, Andrew, you gave him the you gave him the you gave him number two. Take that off. You didn't see it. Oh, good, good. Uh, when following 
Those days, so what we've just been talking about last week, the tribulation time when it gets really ugly, following those days, following that distress, following the seven-year tribulation, and in verse 20 of chapter 13, it says, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect whom He has chosen, he has shortened them. And so the when is, the second coming, when is after these days, after the days of the distress, after the tribulation. And so what, what will happen after that? That's our point number two. And we are asking how? What's going to happen? What, what does God do to set the stage for the second coming? And He does it, as we read, with catastrophic worldly events. But in those days following that distress, that's the when, the how is to set the stage, the sun will be darkened, and because the sun is darkened, the moon is also darkened, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. I mean, it's going to be disastrous and it's not a universe that we can live very long in. And so I think, you know, the Lord's appearing is going to happen real quick after those things happen. But nonetheless, Daniel chapter 7 talks about this. Isaiah chapter 24 talks about this. Joel chapter 2 and 3 talk about this. They all talk about this time. And while God sets the stage for His return, Luke, now here's the deal, Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21, Matthew chapter 24 and 25 all tell the same story. And so if you want to get a real overview of these last days or basically from the cross until now, uh, you can take a look at all of them together. Mark does not tell us this, but Luke does. And what Luke talks about is the response of the people that are left when this happens. And so point number three is who? Point number three is who? Mark 13.26 and Luke 21 verse 27 both say that all mankind on the earth will see Jesus coming in the clouds. So with our variety of views, some people view this passage here that it speaks of the rapture. But at the rapture, Jesus is not seen. Jesus is in the clouds in heaven and we are caught up with him. And so in my personal opinion, this doesn't seem like the rapture to me. This seems like the second coming. And at his second coming, Jesus is seen by all people. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, the internet can give us pretty good information what's happening basically right now around the world. But I'm not sure how everybody is going to see, but Jesus is going to appear. And this Bible first says, verse 26, At that time men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And so I want you to just jump over to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 21, if you will. And again, this is the same story, but Luke gives a little more detail. Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. 
This is what it says. There will be signs in the sun. Yeah, we just already talked about that. Moon and stars. On the earth, nations, people, will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men, this is what's happening while this is going on, will faint from terror, and that word faint means lose their life, die. Men will faint, they will die, some, from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So the who, these people that are going to be around during this time when Jesus comes back for his second coming, his first was when he was born. The rapture is when he comes back again for believers. And then the second coming is when he comes back for this last bit of time. The people are fearful. They're fainting. They're dying. They're full of anguish, the Bible says. Perplexity, confusion, terror, fear, and apprehension. So that's what's happening. That's the who. That's the how. And that's the when. And then what? Well, our last point here. Uh, the sun is the sign. The sun is the sign. At that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. And we've been talking about this. Who are the elect? Sometimes the church is called the elect. But there will be many people, believe it or not, that are saved during the tribulation. And we've talked about this before in the past. You've got the two witnesses in Revelation. You've got the 144,000 in Revelation. And then you've got a, an angel hovering around sharing the gospel from heaven. And lots of people will be saved. The church in the premillennial dispensational view is not here. The church has been raptured, but the elect that it's talking about, that he sends his angels and gathers his elect from the four winds of the earth, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven, that's the elect that it's talking about in this view. But the sun is the sign. And when Jesus appears, he'll appear. That's the sign. Jesus will appear in great power and great glory. And in a moment we're going to look at Revelation chapter 19. We did a little bit last week. But we will find out here and in Revelation 19. The angels and the church are with him when he appears. So take your book, uh, your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 19. We spent uh, seven months on Wednesday night talking about the book of Revelation, going through chapter by chapter by chapter. And last Wednesday, we finished our study. But in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, we see a picture of what is going on at the second coming. And this is what it says. 
Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw, and John is the author here, and he's uh, writing down what he is uh, envisioning. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Jesus is not on a donkey now, coming into the city. Jesus is on a white horse. And He is called Faithful and True. With justice, He judges and makes war. The first time Jesus came, He came to die. The second time Jesus comes, He comes in judgment and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on His head are many crowns. Not the crown of thorns, but now crowns of kingdoms. He has a name written on Him that no one knows but He Himself. So, does anybody know the name? No. <laughs> Only He Himself knows it. So, if you know the name, you'll have to come to me afterwards and tell me. Because maybe he, maybe he told you. But... Uh, it says that he has a name written on him that no one knows but him himself, but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Now, this is not his blood. This is the blood of uh, the people that are left. His blood doesn't need to be shed anymore. It was already shed. But his robe is dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. Now, right there, his name is the Word of God. But he must have another name because it's one that only he knows. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That's not the angels. The angels are never referred to as dressed in fine linen, white and clean. These are the raptured saints, you and I, according to the premillennial dispensational view. You have to say that a million times. <laughs> Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. And then this is a scary passage. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair... Children and college students, you probably should cover your ears here because this is getting, getting crazy, all right? <laughs> all right. Come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the king of kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But look at this, only, only verse 20. It, it, it's a simple thing. But the beast was captured. Right? There's not even going to be any war. It's just, it's, just, it's just done. And with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf with these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them, these are the unbelievers, the rest of them were killed 
with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gouged themselves on their flesh. Okay, so we don't usually read these kind of things in, uh, in our worship services, but this is the Word of God, and this is what's going to happen. This is a picture of Jesus coming in power and glory in the last days. And then chapter 20 talks about the millennial uh, kingdom, that thousand year reign, and uh, we'll probably get to that uh, somewhere down the road. So, a lot of us are wondering in this crazy world that we're living in, politically, medically, socially, spiritually, you know, when is this going to happen? And some of us are like, well, like the last part of Revelation says, come Lord Jesus, come, we're ready, we're ready. But I want you to jump over to the book of Acts, chapter 1, and verse 6 and 7. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. You will know that Jesus is about ready to ascend into heaven in the book of Acts chapter 1. And uh, he's telling his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit comes. Remember that? So when they got together there in verse 6, they say to him, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, that was the whole idea of Jesus coming, the Messiah. He was going to restore Israel. He was going to kick the Romans out. He was going to make the Israelites the, the, the nation that they deserved to be because they were the ones that brought us the Messiah. And Jesus says, and this is, I think, good, He says to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates. You just don't need to worry about it. The Father has set those by His own authority. And then He says, But, if you want to worry about something, or if you want to be busy doing something, don't worry about the dates. I mean, you can study them. There's nothing wrong with studying them. They're in the Bible, but you don't need to worry about them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That's the purpose of the church. That's the reason that we're here. Not so much to worry about when the end times will be. Good to study, of course. Know the times. Be ready. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the real purpose of the church in the church age that we're currently living in is that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us and we will be witnesses for Christ. And Jesus says in Jerusalem, and He's telling the disciples right here in the place you live. And then He says in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's like, it's like St. Bonifacius. It's like Minnesota. It's like the United States. It's like the ends of the world. We are to be witnesses for Jesus. But in the meantime, if you go back to Mark chapter 13, we are told in verse 5 to watch out. Verse 9, be on your guard. Verse 13, stand till the end. Verse 23, be on your guard. Verse 32, no one knows. Verse 33, be on your guard, be alert. Verse 34 or 35, keep watch. And then Jesus ends, verse 37, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. 
the very bottom of your bulletin it says this, Jesus comes for us at the rapture and then He comes with us at the second coming. And here you go. What a blessing to know how the story ends. <laughs> Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, a few verses, massive subject. We just touched the surface. For those that want to study deeper, of course, we can. But Lord, bottom line, we as believers are supposed to watch and be ready. Because we don't know when it's going to happen. And then also, Lord, we uh, know that if we're not believers, uh, the Bible says uh, we've got to get that right. We've got we to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior so that our names can be written in the Lamb's book of life. But as we watch, Lord, we have responsibility, and that is to go into all the world and share the good news. That's what the church is here for. That's why we exist, to make more disciples for Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to think about the future, sure, but help us to think about the present task that you've given to us as well. And may we as a church be faithful and be true in, and, and, and obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching Scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.